Hi there, we're so glad you found us. Welcome to Embers, a podcast by Vala. We believe that when we support teens' emotional well-being, they discover who they are, what they stand for, and their capacity to bring light and love to the world. Vala creates spaces where teens can get away from it all, feel independent, unplug, and have fun. We are a place of belonging for youth to have deep conversations and feel empowered as they ignite a future with hope. Our circle is open to every race, gender, sexuality, ability, religion, and background. Ambers is where, together with other teens, we share our stories as we navigate the waters between childhood and adulthood in an ever-changing world. We hope you'll join us here each month as we explore timely and compelling topics fanning the embers burning in each of us. The environment is a topic that's sort of at the top of the mind for a lot of us. Um, and today we're very fortunate to have uh, Rick Bass, who's an environmentalist, activist, and author from Montana, here to share his perspectives. Um, I'm here with the co-host, Lila. Um, and one of the first questions that we have for you, Rick, is what got you interested in the environmental movement? Um, and did you have any role models or inspirations or mentors um, that sort of helped you find it? Well, you're not starting out with a softball question. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I think I came to the environmental movement slowly at first and then all at once. Um, I was an oil and gas geologist in Mississippi in the um, 70s and uh, 80s. And I'd go canoeing with some friends from the Sierra Club and, you know, and whitewater over in the southeastern U.S. And um I mean, we talked about recycling and, you know, picking up litter and stuff, but um, I mean, that was, was half a century ago almost. And uh, uh, I mean, we had extinction <clears throat> going on then. We had, you know, systemic inequality across the country. But uh, I mean, I, I guess those were kind of the good old days. I think where I really jumped in and got, um, for lack of a better word, radicalized or awakened um, was when I moved to Montana. Um, I landed in this incredible, uh, incredibly wild and beautiful place, the Yak Valley, the farthest north and west valley in, in a wild state, uh, right up on the Canadian border. And that first year I was here, uh, it was just fairy tale. I just wandered through the forest, went canoeing or hiking every day from dawn till dark. And uh, I'd ride a little bit, but mostly just exploring the valley and falling in love with it. Uh, it was really love at first sight, but then just really reveling in that exploration. And uh, it took really four full seasons to for it to register on me what the, the loss and the rate of loss that the valley's wildness was experiencing. Um, it was right in the at the height of the timber wars. And so the um, the mills, for a number of reasons, we're cutting big trees and lots of them, building roads up to the very tops of these farthest and furthest wildest mountains that I'd spent, you know, all day hiking to. I'd come back the next year and there was just this dusty road going straight up through the middle of what had previously been a wild place. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to be a, an ecologist to walk through a clear cut and that, and that heat and sap ooze and aridity to know that, um, you know, this isn't healthy. So I got really active then. It's a long answer and I'm not even halfway done. Um, I'll take a breath here. Um, I I think that's something we do 
least well as environmentalist is get serious really quickly. And um, I hope to talk about that a little bit later about how I think we have to remember how to have fun, uh, both for our own efficacy and, and sustainability, even survival, but also to draw people to the, uh, to the movement. Uh, there's just a lot of, I'm trying to <clears throat> censor myself. Uh, there's just a lot of crud going on out in the world right now. And, uh, uh, nobody needs anybody to tell them that that's so like, we're not doing anybody any favors by saying the world is burning and we're all going to hell before dawn. <laughs> um, right. A digression. Thank you. Um, you ask about my mentors. Um, really, um, because I was a writer, uh, a couple of writers were my, my mentors. Uh, there've been great activists, um, you know, environmental activists since, well, forever, but, um, uh, two who really affected me were Terry Tempest Williams and and Doug Peacock for different reasons. But what they shared, uh, what their commonality was, was just the ferociousness. And back then in the 70s and 80s, um, there was a thinking among uh, literary folk that if you were an activist, if you wrote about activist things, uh, you were not a real artist. You were you were impure, and and that the pure artists did not deign to uh, trouble themselves with, uh, you know, the hysteria and heightened uh, uh, indignity of 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 soapbox ranting and 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 fighting. And uh, you know, you focused on your craft. If you were a real artist, you you gave your all to the to the sentences, not to anything else. And Terry and and Doug. That was not their priority. Their literary fame was not their priority. They're both wonderful writers and, and uh, you know, incredible artists, but they were not concerned with uh, what people thought of them. They, they gave every everything they had to their art and everything they had to their, their activism. And if the two got in the way of each other, then they'd figure it out. So it was really, I mean, that would have gone that way anyway, but it's always helpful to see someone who's, you know, kind of maybe not cut a trail, but gone in a direction uh, before you that you, you want to start out on or follow. You all look shell-shocked, like you're afraid to ask me another question because what if the next answer is even longer? No, no, no. That was a, that was a very good answer. That's actually super, super inspirational. Um, I definitely can understand that feeling of like having people that have done something before you just must make it so much easier um, when you're kind of in the face of all of the you know turmoil. Um, and I also liked your response about sort of keeping it fun at, at times. I feel like, yeah, that, that keeping the humanity as, as part of it is definitely something that people miss a lot in, you know, all sorts of movements. Um, and just trying to, you know, remember that we're all still human and that we can all, you know, be friends and that we all are good people sort of in our core is very important to remember. Yeah. I also loved how you earn made me realize like you talking about how you would go on a trail one year, go back maybe a year or two later and it was a dirt road. It's just interesting to see that happen that quickly. Um, talking about the environment, is there anything specifically that keeps you up at night or gets you up in the morning? <laughs> um, yes. Um, I'm really embarrassed by this answer. Uh, for a long while, for about seven years, it was this forest that we've been defending, the Black Ram Forest.
just up on the Canadian border. Just an unbelievable. Uh, it's just it's such a story for our time. This forest, it, um, its fate would keep me up um, at night and, and wake me up in the middle of the night and, and again in morning. Um, we have successfully defended it since then. Um, I feel like we have some momentum on our side. I, I can see a way through to protect it forever now, and that's what we're we're uh, pursuing is that that vision. Um, so I do sleep better about black ram uh, than I used to. I mean, I used to think, you know, I could just I, I could. What if we didn't win in court? What if we didn't win? That, that thought's always in your mind. It doesn't matter how right you are; you never know. And right. um, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's a real relief for that to be. I mean, the Forest Service will be back after it. I'm not. It's not a nothing. It's not protected forever until it is. But anyway, that's 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 a real relief. Now, what wakes me up and what I think about at night, I, I'm just hesitating because it sounds so. Oh, um, wrong, but in a, in a nutshell, it is about funding. I, I'm volunteering as a, a director of this group that, you know, the Yak Valley Force Council that defended Black Ram and is leading the, the way to have this be the first climate refuge in the nation. And we've got uh, a core of eight incredible young people, um, just the most wonderful activists I've ever worked with. And it it's so, uh, and they're like family. I mean, I have mentored them to the extent that I'm able to and have learned so much from them. And um, we have such a great, uh, we're doing such, we're making such great progress and they're just so amazing. And as director, it's my responsibility to to take care of them, to make, you know, to, to go out and fundraise to keep them employed. And that's, uh, right. I never got into this thinking I'm going to be running <laughs> an NGO. I mean, I, I want to write novels and short stories and essays and not you know, do line item budget list and expenses and income and grant writing and events and stuff. But I just, I want them to succeed. And I want, I'm, I feel responsible for having gotten them into this jackpot, this fight. And um, it's a really good feeling when you start to get older, knowing that there are people, uh, you know, 40 years younger than you who are going to be better at defending the force than you ever were. It's just such a great feeling. So, but it's, I do think about it in the evenings and mornings, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta feed my people. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's awesome that you're working with like young people who are wanting to, you know, have the same beliefs as you as well. Yeah. That actually they, leads. They just inspire me. Yeah. Go ahead. Levi. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say that um, actually really sort of leads in our, our next question. As you think about our generation and younger generations as a whole, um, do you notice, you know, what kinds of action do you notice maybe in contrast to those of your generation and what kind of inspiration do you sort of draw from those actions? I always hate it when people say, to be honest, they don't really mean when they say that, they don't really mean that they're not usually honest. What they're doing is just buying time, trying to figure out how to answer the question. It's just kind of an idiom. And I found myself about to utter it. I'm thinking something for the first time that I've never not ever thought before. I'm not sure that generations are that different in with regard to how they feel the passion they feel for the things they love. I just think the stakes are higher for each generation so that it's in some ways it's very easy to compare 
In other ways, it's impossible to compare because, uh, you know, my generation, the struggles we faced were uh, relatively uh, muted compared to the ones that y'all are facing. And the ones that y'all are facing now uh, probably are going to be the good old days compared to, you know, the generation coming after y'all, behind y'all later. I think what um, I'm mindful of is is just uh, conducting oneself with, with uh, grace is overrated. I think just with passion and 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 energy uh, vitality like to i think the worst thing that we face as activists in any generation is the susceptibility to burnout and uh uh i think that's what i want to model for for my folks my staff and uh is show them how to you know it's like the air, airplane where they they the Attendant says, you know, when the when the oxygen bag drops down, put it over yourself and take care of yourself first before you go and help, you know, the passenger next to you. And, and it always sounds bogus, but I think there probably is a lot of sense in that learning how to conduct oneself in in battle and under pressure is uh, hopefully that stays the same across each generation. So I don't think we're that different. I just think we have different conditions and circumstances. That's really interesting. I feel like I've never heard that that take on it before. I feel like a lot of people tend to say like a lot of people like to point fingers and blame, you know, one group or the other. Um, when in reality might have just been, you know, the focus was different depending on the time. Um which, you know, I've never thought about that before actually. That's that's a really interesting point. Yeah, I love the way that you look at that. So we know that a lot of people are anxious around the topic of climate change. And we're just wondering if there's any ways you suggest people deal with that. And maybe is it different, you know, the leveling anxiety, is it different for different age groups or? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, y'all in Maine are so powerfully positioned by geography and, and circumstance to be um, again, you're, you're at the front of this, this conversation, this discussion, this war, for lack of better phrasing, uh, you know, and that's elicited from Maine, a great, uh, exemplary example of, of climate leadership. I mean, obviously the, the Gulf of Maine is warming faster than any other body of water. It's, you have to rise to meet the challenge or, or not, uh, I mean, I suppose you could choose not to, but y'all are choosing to, and that's that's really courage is what you know is the word for it. And so that's a great example. Um, you know, contacting Representative Pingree, uh, thanking her when every time she does uh, an act of climate leadership and helping let her know what what you guys want her and the senators to do. Um, that's that's the real work. It always has been. You know. Um, and in states with small populations like Montana and Maine, we still have the opportunity to have a relationship with our elected officials. Like some of these districts and states, it's Katie bar the door. It's over. It's done. Like, you know, unless you have a satchel full of, you know, $100,000 bills, you won't be able to talk to those people. And in these states with small populations, we still have that incredible ability and you can't put a price on it. And, 
you know, it, it, it must be exploited and used while we still have avail to it. It is, it is the connection between one human and another that um, once we lose that, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to think about what lies ahead for uh, not just us as a people, but uh, the land um, and the water and the air. Um, there, I forgot. Okay, yeah, I did it. I got that. I got to be the unhappy environmentalist. I've got to stop doing that. I can hear it um, when it when it gets too heavy and serious on me. Lila, you had a question there at the t at the tail end, or a part of that question that I wanted to address. I can't remember what it is. Can you remind me? Yeah, it was um, you know, talking about like anxiety around climate change. Is it different for different age groups, or you know, because we're I guess our age group is now it's in the hands of us, our generation. It is, yeah. And that is anxiety provoking. And and um I mean we saw it at climate aid. I mean, it was just climate grief. I mean, we didn't talk about how awful things were. We just uh listened to people play music and sing and, and read poetry, and it was just, oh, that's right. We're gathered in the in the presence of a thing we love and it just felt really good to great to love it uh without uh what wendell berry calls the, the forethought of grief uh and i think none of us are going to be able to escape anxiety i think recognizing it when it comes on and having um having a, a response that serves us and the uh and the issue is 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 critical uh, that's something that we work on really hard. Our, our staff is um, because we're fighting. We're fighting a really big fight out here, and it's not a popular fight to be uh, waging in the, in this corner of the world. And it's it's incredibly stressful. It always has been. And uh, you know, taking care of each other, even the least little bit of anxiety. You know, talking about it openly and, and sharing it, then having your 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 uh, you know, your crew, your gang, your your pals, um, you know, support you and say, hey, uh, we, we've got this today. You can back off a bit. It's going to be okay. We're in this together. Um, it has it has to be done communally and, and cooperatively and collectively. There, the, the myth of the uh, the lone ranger and the, and the rugged individual saving something is 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 uh, that's 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 unfair to continue uh, with that with that story. Um, an interesting digression. Uh, I was fortunate to go down to the Galapagos, uh, with, actually with Doug and Terry some years ago, and uh, you know really saw that country that uh, Darwin wrote about and thought about and talked about. And you know from his ideas, we we came up with this idea that, of survival of the fittest, and you know kind of a social Darwinism where. Uh, you know, you had to be strong with tooth and claw to survive and get to the top. But that's not what I saw in the Galapagos. I saw survival of the luckiest. I mean, those Galapagos tortoises that um, colonized those islands, those crazy little volcanic islands out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, those those tortoises got there by luck. The sailors coming back after being gone a year at sea realized they didn't need them for food anymore, and they tossed them over the boat, and they bobbed like corks and happened to land on the one crumb of stone out in the middle of that vast ocean. That was not, you know, cunning or clever or even strength. And and then they went on and adapted themselves, were sculpted by the land so that each of the seven islands has 
different shaped shells and different uh, heights and, and dimensions of the shells based on the vegetation, which is based on the age of each of the seven islands, whether it's a 10,000 year old island or 180,000 year old island, just, just amazing. And, and what Darwin saw, I think was, you know, such an early ecosystem, just day one in the garden, if, if you want to use the, the biblical creation metaphor um, and what, most ecosystems are much older than than the Galapagos, and they're, so they're more sophisticated and complex. And what we see in those those more sophisticated uh, ecosystems and processes is survival of the most collective. Um, nobody, you know, carves out their niche and then just occupies it, fighting everything else. Uh, there's incredible cooperation, and it's more than we even understand. Which leads us, of course, to the the lives of plants and the underground. Uh, you know, universe of roots and mycelia and mycorrhizae, this universe just under our feet that we have no idea how communication is shared, how nutrients are shared, how um, we just have no idea because we ourselves are really new to this place. Uh, uh, you know, it's a species, we're maybe 180,000 years old ourselves and, and everything has been here longer than we are. So we're still figuring it out and a little humility is is helpful. And, and I think that's what will serve us well as activists going forward. You you addressed it earlier, Levi, saying, you know, remember at the end of the day, everybody's a person. If somebody's being a jerk to you, maybe that they're having a bad day, not that they're necessarily a jerk. They probably don't want to be a jerk. I mean, some do, but not many. It's like, and and that's, that's uh, it, it takes kind of a humility to realize, oh, I'm not here to save the world. I'm just here to love what I love and, and advocate for it. Anxiety, anxiety will get you. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, seems to get everybody at some point. Um, I was saying, I want to loop back a little bit to talk about, you're sort of talking about how it's hard to sort of deal with it on your own. Um, and I'm not sure how much you know about the program that we're part of, Volo, but one of the things that we do, like the one of the core you know, parts of the program is we go on retreats um, every once in a while over the weekend. Um, and one of the big things that we do then is we have single, something called conversation where we sort of like pose a question to everybody and, you know, everybody gets a chance to answer and talk about their feelings and how they feel about whatever their question may be. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting how, you know, things even not necessarily emotionally connected, um, you know, like the battle for the climate might be, you know, influenced in the same sort of situation as what we tend to have here at Volo. So I just thought that was a really interesting parallel. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see that too. That's really, it's cool that you picked that up. Yeah. So I, I think that now I would like to, you know, say this is where we sort of move into the more um, optimistic portion of the podcast. Um, the next question that we were planning on asking. Good luck. <laughs> like, what kind of advice do you have for our age group and uh, newer generations? Um, and like past that, you know, it might seem like a very daunting task. Um, and we were wondering if you have any strategies that might be helpful to break it down um, so that you can do like something small or something every day to, you know, sort of bring it down from the high um, daunting pedestal that it, it sort of sits at um, either individually or in small communities. And that's a really long question. We can do it part by part if you want to, but Thanks. I'm still laughing at myself uh, with being from the South. Sometimes we look at a word and pronounce it differently than uh, 
don't know why I didn't give the A the soft A, but I just thought y'all were Valo. And so to hear you say Valo, it's like, oh wow. No, I love that y'all y'all do that. And that it kind of is the hope is is uh, is the uh the connectivity between others of your clan and the uh uh you know, we are all in this together. We all go down together or we all find a way forward together. And that is one of the uh <clears throat> many blessings of the the great uh, engagement in which we find ourselves now, and and I guess for the rest of you know time, it, you know, or, or human time, that's how it's going to be for anybody we'll ever know, and anybody they'll ever know, and so on and so forth. Uh, you said this is going to be hopeful. I do think it that the the engagement, the struggle, will bring people closer together. Um, I know it doesn't seem that way. In an, in an election year, but I, I think people are hungry for it. And I think if you remember that and create opportunities for people to come together and, and create space uh, for them to do that and be rewarded positively for it, um, I think I think it really matters. Uh, again, I look to the, the old forest for examples about how if you can just survive incredibly magical, rich, complex systems develop and that we don't understand um we probably might understand them someday but probably might we probably will understand them someday we might understand them someday but it doesn't matter we know that they're there i mean you can see in that black ram forest you can see a a giant march growing shoulder to shoulder with a giant cedar that two totally different needs uh one is a shade-tolerant uh, tree, and the other is shade-intolerant. One needs all the sun it can get, and the other needs all the shade it can get. And the Darwin model would show them fighting, you know, fighting it out to occupy that space and, and to take those nutrients. And there's something going on where not only are they surviving, they're prospering because of each other's differences. And um, it, it just turns our old notions of forestry and science upside down. Uh, so I think remembering those things that, how you conduct yourself personally, uh, and 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 how you treat the people in your in your in your orbit, uh, will is part. It is part of the solution. It is part of the ecosystem. Um, I'm looking for some some proof. I mean, y'all are probably familiar with the, with the Gaia uh, theory, I suppose, hypothesis that the world itself is a living organism, and when it's injured, it will seek to heal itself, and and that. That can seem uh, that can seem comforting, like uh, and and I I do think that there's, you know, we see we see damaged ecosystems work to heal themselves, at a at really at a, a spiritual level. Something we've experienced time and again is um, when our back is to the wall in a fight that we're outnumbered and we think we have no chance. We just keep you know showing up each day and working the full day fighting for to defend one place or another. And we always get lucky. We always get an incredible break, right? When we think we can't go another step. And after this happening, you know, maybe half a hundred times or something, you, you realize, you know, you're not in this alone. It's not all up to you, that there's some something out there that wants the world to be a certain way. And it's not like you're being rewarded for your hard work. It's more like there's, for lack of better description, a force out there that uh, has You've been participating with it, and you've gone as far as you can. But it goes it goes further when you 
can't go any further. We've seen it time and time and time again. It's and it's a wonderful thing to see, and I know y'all will see it in time as you engage with, you know, projects that you're really passionate about. You'll lose some, but you're also going to win some. Just when you thought, man, I never thought we could pull it off, but we got so lucky. It's not luck. It's just uh, it's something bigger than us, and it keeps you keeps you fighting. It keeps you going, knowing that. Your job is not to really always win or lose, but just go as far as you can. Yeah, and have fun. Um, have to find ways to have fun because what's the point? You know, anybody can be serious and then die. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, that. I'm I'm at a bit of a loss for a reason. I don't know why, but I, I do like your your point. Once again, sort of circling back to that idea of, you know, everything has to be both serious and fun. Leaning too far in one direction or the other kind of you know ends up things fizzle out or things get, you know, too, too dire and too, um, too serious. And then either way it, it doesn't end well. So trying to keep that, you know, trying to keep things, you know, lighthearted, but also down to earth, um, is very important. I think it occurs to me, you know, as we're talking about it, that it's, it really is just what you're describing is, is humility. I mean, it's like, um, take yourself seriously, but remember that you know, it's, it's, um, uh, it's just it's just a human being you know it's not like it's yeah we're pretty pretty clumsy like easy to laugh at it's... right mm -hmm. and it's kind of unfair to expect ourselves to you know always know what to do or always know how to act um which i guess does play into that idea of humility and you know we don't have to be confident all the time and we don't have to know what to do but as long as you're sort of working in the right direction then that's what matters so for all of our podcasts we like to ask the interviewer, what brings you hope? What brings me hope is that that thing we're talking about is that you, you can always be surprised. You can always think we have no chance or that we're going to lose this. And the world will often step in and make happen what needs to happen. And, and that's it doesn't give you permission to slack off and not push. I think somehow the pushing is some tiny catalyst to help the world get to what needs doing when it needs to get done. I, I don't think we're the driver in these equations. I think we're just one of a, a great number of catalysts. Uh, but I, again, I just, we see, we see amazing things happen when we didn't expect them. And so uh, that's remembering that is, is really a, a great recipe for hope. I think how could you not hope if you've seen that, even once, how can you not forget it and um, hope for it again? And then you see it again. I mean, it goes from hope almost to faith. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's just, there's a lot to hope for. The, the longer you fight, the more opportunity there is for hope. Yeah. That is, yeah. that is very inspirational. I do like the idea that it's, you know, almost knowing knowing that things will always sort of happen if you sort of want them to. And it's sort of that idea of, you know, self-fulfilled destiny, where if you expect yourself to fail, then, you know, what's going to happen? Of course, you're going to fail. Um, we like to give people the opportunity to sort of plug something um, of their choosing. And we always ask, I guess, in this example, how do you think people can stay informed? And like, what's the, what, what are some of the ways that you like to stay up to date on things? And, you know, looking maybe in the direction of things that give you hope and things that are good to see. Well, um, thank you for asking that. It's um, 
I mean, there's a saying that when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And, you know, when you're trying to help designate the nation's first climate refuge, that's all you're going to talk about anytime you get to talk about it. But that is, um, that's what I think about is, is getting black ram protected as the nation's first climate refuge. And then that is a spark, the seed for the, the idea of a curtain of green of, of similar protected areas in the Northern latitudes that goes all the way around the, the globe in a, in a green halo, a green necklace, a curtain of green. And those old forests can absorb 12% of the world's carbon emissions each year. And 12% is not 100%, but we 12% is a number large enough that we can't afford not to secure that. And I think, I believe, I just believe it's a really good idea that people, that will touch people the minute they hear it, the instant they hear it, and they'll want it. Wherever they live, they'll want what we have at Black Ram. They'll want the nearest big trees to where they live to be protected forever and to know that they're part of something global. Not It's something intensely local, but also at the same time intensely global. And I think we're at this point in, in human history, uh, short though it has been, I think we're starving for that and hungry for that. And the fact that we can carry that message with song, you know, with this Black Ram guitar, with music and the world's musicians and artists and poets can lead this this idea, uh, this one guitar coming from this one tree, from this one forest. I just think, uh, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen really quickly. First of all, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. It was really awesome to hear your perspective on everything going on. So at the end of our podcast, we like to ask everyone to say just one word that describes maybe how you're feeling. I would say that my word would definitely be enlightened. I'm feeling insightful. I'm embarrassed by my word. It's uh, jewel, J-E-W-E-L. And then I'm thinking, okay, what's the modifier? Bejeweled, B-E-J-E-W-E-L-E-D. And I can I can read the thought bubbles above y'all's head thinking that is so weird. Um, but I, I, all I can think about is that incredible emerald moss, how lush and soft it is covering the old carcasses in the old forest deep beneath the canopy. It's just a kind of green that you don't see anywhere else in the world. There's so much moisture in it and it's feeding off the orange rot of the old logs and it's just uh, it really is bejeweled and uh, it's a really good feeling to be in that kind of forest and, and um, that's just what I'm feeling uh, working with y'all tonight so uh, strange though the word is, is jewel comes to mind that's awesome wow <laughs> all right well uh, thank you for for coming on and joining us tonight uh, it was a very interesting conversation um, super meaningful to talk to somebody like you yeah, it was really awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank mm. you all. Keep in touch. We've got a forest to save, a lot of forest. Thanks for joining us today. Like what you heard? We invite you to connect with us at followmain.org for additional ideas and inspiration. Music from this episode was created by one of our many talented teens, Miles. It was a pleasure having you in our circle today. Until next time, take care.